1: It's a Chris Grayling special. Yes, this week's show is guest curated by Transport Secretary and Bib Fortuna-themed dildo, Chris Grayling. With music by... Total Waste, Waste Disposal Management. Hmm, a bit weird. Do they play music, Chris? It doesn't say anything here about musical abilities. Oh, well, that sounds... Awesome. Editing by... Uh, Daniel Daniels Artwork by a dog Chris paid five million pounds to! Absolutely no guest but I've been promised Chris will find one in time for 2023. And writing and hosting from Tin and Do Yep. Oh come on, seriously? It's like you haven't even tried grailing. You haven't even tried. <laughs> Welcome to the Chris Grayling special of the Partly Political Broadcast. The podcast that, that, oh, hey Chris, you said you were going to get someone to sort the intro line. off oh, for fuck's sake. Grayling. This is episode 133. I'm Tin and Do And this week, Chris Grayling has proved that he's so useless at everything, he's even failed to get the sack. Despite wasting £204 million of taxpayers' money on things that he messed up, Grayling remains Transport Secretary, which is quite an incredible position for someone who only ever seems to halt progress or push the country into reverse. £33 million went on an out-of-court settlement to Eurotunnel, who were miffed that there was no public procurement procedure when the government hired a ferry firm without any ferries. I mean, just imagine who else could have gone for that contract if they'd correctly advertised. That's right, anyone without any ferries, so that only really excludes p and Roxy Music. I can't believe I didn't Then it was revealed that the failed privatised probation and rehabilitation service Grayling put in place when he was Justice Secretary is now going to cost the taxpayer £171 million because they haven't worked. I mean, what more evidence do you need of that other than the fact that Chris Grayling himself is always re-offending? The only way Grayling's continued cabinet position makes sense is one of two possibilities. Number one, his ability for everything he touches to turn to shit like a grim King Midas, King Gastritis if you will, means that the absolute horror show that is the rest of the government seem competent in comparison. The Ministry of Defence's £495 privatised army recruit plan has failed to meet its targets, but hey, they all know that if Chris Grayling had been in charge, there's every chance the British army would now be staffed by children with pea shooters and some angry pigeons, several of whom wouldn't even bother to. Turning up for work. Number two, the other possibility is that Prime Minister and Momo challenge Theresa May has to let Grayling stay as she just can't lose any more cabinet members, especially as losing him would mean she'd need five really useless people to achieve the same level of dire. Two more MBs have gone in the last week in regards to Brexit, with farming minister and stock photo of the sort of person elderly people shouldn't answer their door to, George Eustace, quitting after Mace and she would allow the Commons a vote on delaying Brexit. Yeah, well maybe he should be grateful that Grayling isn't in charge or it wouldn't just be delayed, it would probably be cancelled with no promise of when normal service would resume. No, wait, some of that actually almost sounds good. Then MP and ill Bob Mortimer, Alberto Costa, was asked to resign from his job as Parliamentary Private Secretary in the Scotland office because he tabled an amendment to protect the rights of EU citizens regardless of the outcome of Brexit. Obviously, you can't be part of the government when you care about the safety of anyone who might be foreign, eh? You want to rise to the top, Costa? You need to be tabling amendments to ensure anyone who even mentions they had a nice time on holiday be ejected from these shores. Costa's amendment was passed unopposed, so it's also possible that someone with such popular ideas that can actually achieve parliamentary agreement has absolutely no place in the Conservative Party. Or maybe it's just that Chris Grayling is the ideological hero that the Conservatives now follow. You know, like Xi Jinping thought, Grayling's life wisdom, or rather lack of, is just a way of being. You know, being shit, that is. Absolutely nothing has happened with Brexit, despite a looming deadline, so that's very Grayling right there. With several votes happening that basically mean, apart from Costa's amendment, nothing is changing. It may just be that we have even more nothing for even longer. How much longer? No one knows. Again, very Grayling. Will it mean that we have to vote in the European elections in May? Possibly. Will that be worth it just to make sure that porridge skin congealed round an old slipper Nigel Farage loses his MEP pension? Yes, yes it will. And to be honest, even if May said that was the only reason she was delaying Brexit, I might actually gain some respect for her. The European, but not really, research but don't do any group, but barely, are very angry at the possibility of a Brexit delay or Article 50 extension and have said that they will vote for May's deal next week if it passes three tests, all of which the EU have already said six trillion times that they won't accept. I feel like the ERG needs to take a test that is simply the same question over and over again for an hour to see if at any point they register that they've been asked it already. There are also rumours that the ERG have said they'll vote with the Prime Minister if she resigns once her deal is passed, so I'm expecting her to delay the vote on it for at least another 5-10 years to make sure she can stay at number 10. The US have said that the UK will have to accept their farming standards in order to trade with them post-Brexit, but the government have insisted food standards will not be lowered in the UK. So does that just mean that things will be as they are, and once a year British farmers have to hold a baseball match for ghosts? Many are concerned it will mean chlorine-washed chicken is the standard here, but I think that's only a concern if someone's peed in the swimming pool they use for it beforehand. Jaguar Land Rover is going against other car manufacturers and has announced that it will be making a big investment in advanced manufacturing in the UK, despite Brexit happening. Well, hey, I think that's pretty smart, as there won't be any other vehicles here the way things are going, so they'll probably just clean up the market. I mean, they are able to run on hollow promises and blue passports, right? Right? The Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs told business leaders that the UK doesn't have enough of the correct wooden pallets in order to export to mainland Europe if we have a no-deal. And I guess that's understandable when Parliament seems to be so full of misshapen planks. May is still trying to buy support for her deal by offering a £1.6 stronger towns fund to leave voting Labour areas in order to encourage opposition MPs to back her deal. But that money is over six years and doesn't come close to the funds from the EU that those areas will be losing after Brexit or the amount that's been cut by the government over the last few years. It's a really terrible bribe. It's like an assassin saying to someone they've shot 26 times that if they give them the info they need they'll get a single soggy plaster. It is March, there's still no Brexit developments happening till next week and instead Theresa May has just been using cheap advert slogans in the Commons. May told the SNP Westminster leader and animated knocky Ian Blackford during the weekly emptying of the bowels at his Prime Minister's questions that he should vote for a deal, simples. Simples, you know, as in the catchphrase from the the compare-the-market meerkat that was popular many, many years ago and hasn't really been since, and therefore all it does is only really highlight that a CGI exotic rodent has a far greater understanding of needing an insurance policy for the future than our Prime Minister does. It turned out May only said it because her aide had made a bet that she could get the PM to say it, and as a result, one tea at the Ritz. Many are upset that, again, politicians are treating all of this as a game when there are real consequences on the line, but what I want to know is, has anyone asked the Ritz how often this aide is seen there? Because it could explain an awful lot of what May said over the last few years. I'm pretty sure red, white and blue Brexit was for a three-course meal. It must have been. Still, just imagine if Chris Grayling had been the intended bet target. He'd have shouted, It's bloody simple, you tarts, before his trousers fell down and his aide was rewarded with a stick of gum and someone calling them a twat. If it wasn't nothing happening in Brexit but loudly, then last week's news was yet again about party racism, which, no, isn't the sort of bigotry that's acceptable at social occasions, but more the worst new trend in Parliament that isn't really that new whatsoever. Labour MP and Christopher Eccleston's worst character, Chris Williamson, was suspended after footage emerged of him saying the party had been too apologetic over anti-Semitism and that he was planning a screening of a film in Parliament of a film defending another Labour activist who was suspended for anti-Semitism. Now, firstly, regardless of how you feel about what he said, why, oh why would he do that just a week or so after Labour MPs left the party blaming anti-Semitism? Wouldn't you think at least, oh well, maybe this week isn't the best time to show the film? It's a bit like turning up to a party in California just after... After the Wildfires With a copy of Backdraft on Blu-ray Shouting hey everyone Let's give this a view I hear it's brilliant I swear Williamson is the sort of person Who'd be told to shush in a library Nod his head as though he'd acknowledge what was said And then start his foghorn practice In front of the librarian of course this all led to a clash within the Labour Party. What? That's so unheard of. I know, right? This time between Deputy Leader and Carl Fredrickson from UP, Tom Watson, and Parallel Universe Louise Minchin and General Secretary Jenny Formby over how anti-Semitism should be dealt with in the party, with Watson saying their opacity and delays had led to a loss of trust. So what he did was set up a parallel complaint system because nothing stops a lack of trust, like two bodies trying to do the same thing better than each other. That may be illegal as well, according to GDPR procedure, but no one's really sure as I don't think anyone read a single one of those emails. Meanwhile, over in the Conservatives, former co-chair and Asian Lisa Tarbuck, Baroness Wasi, I mean seriously, they're basically twins. Look at just look at their faces. It's the same. Said the party showed telltale signs of institutional racism. What? I had no idea. Here was me thinking the hostile environment policy, Windruss, and I don't know, all of their immigration policies and so many things that the Prime Minister has said for the last however many years were all just random occurrences that in no way reflect... No, sorry. I can't even pretend. I mean, it's all so obvious. I'm certain somewhere out there is a white supremacist rock band called May and the Citizens of Nowhere. he was specifically talking, though, about the rising Islamophobia in the party after they took a long time to expel a member who was posting anti-Muslim hate speech online, with more Conservative councillors being found to have posted abuse on a pro-Boris Johnson Facebook page, which is sort of exactly what I expected to be on a pro-Boris page, along with blueprints for infrastructure projects that make no sense and a random sentence generator to use whenever anyone asks you about Brexit. BBC reporter and what if Arya from Game of Thrones had to mention all the houses for balance, Laura Kunzberg, tweeted that the Islamophobia issue in the Conservatives is on a different political scale to Labour's anti-Semitism issue. Now that's an odd way to put it, but I think she means it's one where it's pitted against the feather of Ma'at, and if the story has any weight, they ignore it in case it ruins things. White male MP for Crawley, Henry Smith, said that he hasn't come across any Islamophobia in the Conservative Party, so I guess that must mean it isn't there, because he totally no, Right? The right-to-rent policy that requires landlords to check the immigration status of tenants was deemed as breaching human rights by the High Court, which means that judging by some of the flats I've seen over the last couple of months, many of them were breaching them in several ways. The Home Office said they were disappointed with this ruling, and I've no doubt Home Secretary and serious great Sajid Javid will vow to make up for it by personally knocking on every rented property's door, screaming, Do you belong here at the Occupiers? Speaking of racism, stupid neck and fart right campaigner Tommy Robinson has been banned from Facebook, though that could just be because they have very strict policies about tits. And meanwhile, dog poo bag filled with wallpaper paste, Nigel Farage, has announced a march for leave trek from Sunderland to London to protest against a Brexit betrayal. Which, in typical Brexiteers fashion, isn't a march, but a bus journey, something that's probably necessary as many on it would likely be taken out by a small breeze. It will cost anyone who takes part in it £50, which is £13 more than each person pays to be a member of the EU per year and it's taking part from the 16th to the 29th of March which is after next week's votes on May's deal and could potentially be even more completely pointless than it already is by the time they start. The promo for the March is a video that looks a lot like someone overdubbed a have you been injured at work advert featuring several people who have had very heavy things fall on their head. Rallying against elitism in the promo are a former trader, a conservative MP and a millionaire entrepreneur. Oh, and I bet they're angry at those elites, eh? With one particular highlight amongst the lowlights being human car alarm Esther McVeigh saying nasal gazing instead of navel gazing. Something I suppose could have been intentional considering how little she knows. In other news, Labour leader and only human ever made entirely of chintz Jeremy Corbyn was hit by an egg outside the Finsbury Park mosque on Sunday. No confirmation yet on if it was Ian Duncan Smith. On Thursday, mere days after the hottest ever day in winter ever, MPs debated climate change in the Commons for the first time in two years. I mean, that doesn't need a lot of time, does it? It's not urgent or anything. But only 10 Conservative MPs turned up, with not many more on the opposition benches. Then again, maybe they just didn't want to add to the unnecessary releases of carbon dioxide in the air. Disgraced MP Liam the Disgraced Fox spent £100,000 on a podcast project that only 8,398 people listened to. What an idiot. If he'd just asked me, I could have told him how to get that few listeners for a budget of nothing. And lastly, Theresa May paid tribute to Salisbury one year after the Novichok poisoning crisis by tweeting that Salisbury is a beautiful, welcoming English city, alongside a picture of Bath. Still, at least it wasn't Chris Grayling doing it, eh? He'd have just tweeted something about Salisbury being full of death and then added a picture of Sainsbury's. Hello, Paul Brods. Here we are back again with the Chris Grayling Special. And by that, I mean there's no interviewee this week due to terrible organisational skills. So uh, still, at least it hasn't cost you £204 million for the privilege of having less stuff. Um, I say it's terrible organisational skills. It's kind of intentional, actually, because I spent a large chunk of last week, uh, well, 26.2 hours, to be precise, doing Mark Watson's 26.2-hour comedy marathon show, uh, which raised just under £22,000 for the dementia revolution. So that's not too shabby. Um, but The whole thing was an exhaustive... Exhausting amount of fun, uh, with emphasis on the exhausting and on the fun, to be fair. Um, It turns out that while initially having spent the last year mostly being awake due to my daughter's apathetic view towards sleep, um, it it did sort of help me get through the show at the beginning. You know, at, say, 4am, I was thinking, well, I'd be up now anyway. But by the end of the show, it turns out uh, that... Tiredness wasn't much help at all. Uh, ruined. Just absolutely ruined. Um, but despite having to spend Friday in a functioning coma, I very much enjoyed being part of the weird Brussels sprout Bradley Welsh cult that was created overnight, with a lovely audience and an excellent group of comedians all willing to do absolute stupidity for an unreasonably long amount of time. Um, also, 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 I didn't have to talk about or read about Brexit for nearly two days. And let me tell you, as exhausting as the comedy marathon was, I'd hurriedly run back into a marathon show in a second if I knew it would carry on past March the 12th. And then another... whenever the delay is until, uh, you know, if I can be promised an entire lack of news throughout. I reckon it'd be almost possible to maintain a vague level of happiness, you know, at least until the no-deal Brexit supply packs got delivered by the box office staff. Um, How's you, listeners? Welcome, uh, new and old. Uh, If there's any new ones, this isn't a usual episode. This is a Chris Grayling special, hence... um, Terrible writing and uh, screwing up of the words. Uh, old listeners, uh, just a bit of a treat for you lot here. Uh, but welcome to you all. Um, we're now in Brexit month, uh, even though we probably aren't. But how mad is that? I mean, it's been two years since Article 50 was triggered. And let me tell you, time does not fly when absolutely none of it is enjoyable. Um, while I've always got annoyed at those people who shout, oh, get on with it, about the most complex political event in many years, I now too would quite like someone somewhere, or in fact anywhere, to get on with something. I mean, I feel like those Idiots! You shouted, "Get on with it!" You know, before when we'd only just started, with the children who asked, "Are we there yet?" As soon as the car sets off. Whereas now, I feel like I'm definitely the angry child who didn't want to go in the first place. But now we've been sat in traffic for four days, and Dad's made another wrong turn. I'd quite like to just get there and get it done. Um, thank you this week to Peter for the Patreon donation, which was much appreciated. And you too can throw me a dollar or two uh there at patreon.com forward slash bro or at KofiKohyphen.com forward slash bro to keep me in coffee so that I can make the show without too much pointless admin witterings. Yeah, I'm throwing that out there. The more coffees you buy me, the less I'll make crap analogies about kids in cars in relation to Brexit. You heard me. Get buying. Um, thanks also to all the reviews last week, particularly from Custard Slipper and MZ, uh, both of which very much made my consecutive days Um, thank you for those only 61 more reviews to go on iTunes till I hit the big 200 so if you fancy hitting the five stars and writing some nice thoughts about this show please do Um, on iTunes or any other podcast review site whichever one you like just scribble it anywhere just carve it into your desk using your compass Uh, draw it on the back of a shed whatever whatever helps gets it to people and of course better than both those things but maybe not the coffee slash money one is just to tell other people about this podcast and bully them into listening to it I mean I go so far as to hovering over them as they subscribe, download and then play it and then glare at them if they go without laughing for over a minute. I mean, it's best for them in the long run, trust me. Sure, sure they won't mind. It will definitely pay off. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, no guest, uh, not really any admin, just some ramblings on things from me, and hopefully normal service should resume next week uh, if anything actually happens in politics ever and I get some sleep. Um, in the meantime, you do know what is here, though. Uh, yeah, of course, because it's the Chris Grading Special, so it's not like I'll do anything that would actually work for you. On the plus side, it also means I won't be attempting to platform any specific points because there'll never be any trains to arrive at them. So anyway, here you go. Brexit fallout. Brexit fallout. Brexit fallout. We are officially in Brexitery. Which, uh, if you've been opening your Brexit calendars today, you should have received nothing, as it's been rationed in case of a No Deal. It's very likely that Brexit won't be happening this month on account of, um, well, still no one having any plans at all or being able to agree on which of the crap ones they do want. But while delaying is totally necessary, there are also problems with it. Theresa May's former Chief of Staff, Nick Timothy, has said in a TV interview that the Prime Minister just sees Brexit as a damage limitation exercise, which is interesting as everything she's done so far has meant there'll have to be at least some damage when she could have averted any to begin with. It's like she lit the fire and is now trying to demolish everything so the fire won't ruin things as much as she already has. But the only way to limit damage now is by delaying Brexit so a deal can hopefully be in place or more likely make and squeeze in even more damage in the extra few weeks. But apart from it meaning even more weeks of nothing happening except Brexit while everything else in the UK falls apart, a delay could also mean serious issues for businesses who've planned for two years for Brexit to happen on March 29th and now will probably have to replan all over again but in a shorter amount of time while the economy continues to plummet for a further few months. It's like if you'd been told you only had two years to live and at the end they say, oh and a couple more months surprise! Which by that point isn't all that helpful as you now have to attend your own funeral and apologise to that person you hate that you told could go fuck themselves before then doing it all over again nearer to the time because it was one of your last wishes before still having a shit ending. Companies like BMW had plans to shut their mini plant for a month at the end of March to cope with possible parts shortage, but now we'll have to rearrange reopening it and then reclosing it again at the end of June. Yes, I know it'd be terrible for the economy, but I'm starting to think that maybe all of us should just stop working from the end of March until whenever it's sorted, and if nothing else, that'd mean we could all take advantage of the plummeting holiday prices. It'd be like how everyone smoked the day before the smoking ban, except, you know, this time we'd just be all up in Europe right up until we weren't allowed. And smoking, because it's allowed over there, innit? Theresa May has said the end of June would be the longest an extension could go on for, but if it did go on that long, that'd probably mean that we'd have to take part in the European elections on May the 23rd, which would be a huge cost and really pretty pointless considering it'll be to give potential MEPs a job for, what, just over a month? It's legally binding as an EU member state that they can't remove the right of its citizens to vote for its representatives, right? And that's not just in Britain, that's any of them. If the government tried to stop an EU vote, they could receive a massive penalty from the European Court of Justice, which would be hilarious and probably just get added onto the bill we already have. I'm starting to think that being in the EU elections would very much be worth it, not just for that. I mean, I mean, there's loads of people in the UK in need of work, why don't we just um, elect some of them? It's not like they'll get to do much and they'll have a fat salary and possibly a pension plan and that's, say, 73 homeless people that we could be giving a temporary respite to. It's definitely better than a zero-hours gig, being that it'll be very slightly more hours than that. Why aren't the DWP getting in on this, promoting the idea to anyone who will have a six-week wait for their universal credit? You're not going to have any funds? Run as an MEP. And as I mentioned earlier, if nothing else, if no one runs in any seat apart from Nigel Farage's, we could at least vote him out of his pension and enjoy that for all of five minutes before we realise the cost of organising the elections now means the NHS can't afford to give anyone bandages anymore and has to use strips of old copies of Hello magazine instead. So, lots of Brexit chat this week with potentially some sort of deal breakthrough from Attorney General Geoffrey Cox if he can find something somewhere that enough MPs may get on board with. And then there'll be a vote on May's deal again on March the 12th unless he doesn't find anything and then she moves it again. And then if that doesn't pass, a vote on leaving the EU without a deal on the 13th and a vote on extending Article 50 on the 14th. Yes, the first big vote is on a Tuesday again. Yes, I'm certain they hate me. are damn important. You know, they deal with stuff like your bins and, um your bins. It's very much part of the Conservatives' ideology to reduce the public sector as much as possible. From old ham-faced David Cameron's big society plans to make people do care work voluntarily and remove responsibility away from authorities and not, as I thought, a society where everything was just massive and it was like we were Lilliputians in a normal world. That would have been brilliant. I'd have had that. Anyway, and while thumb with eyes, Eric Pickles slashed core council funding when he was communities and local government secretary from 2010 to 2015 and at the same time wouldn't allow them to up the council tax, which was properly shitty. That led to the closure of libraries, community centres and all the services that councils had to deem as non-essential in order to rebalance the books. You know, all the vital things that Conservatives now have to hire a loneliness minister in order to ignore. I wonder why everyone's so alone when they could just go to all the places that we closed. Weird. Hmm... Cuts have continued and demand for housing and social care have risen. So now it looks like councils across the country will have a £5 billion funding black hole by 2020, which is the sort that even a Star Trek exhibition would be wary of exploring. So all of this means that you end up with cases like Northamptonshire Borough Council running out of money in February last year, meaning that they cut all services except care for vulnerable people. And this year, they're having to raise council tax by 4.99% in order to stay afloat of some very, very murky waters. So there goes my hopes that the picture drone there will ever be a nice gig to play. It's a very niche joke, but trust me, really, uh, really needed some work. But raising council tax isn't the only way councils are trying to get some dosh in. This week, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism and the Huffington Post compiled a report of data on more than 12,000 public spaces sold off by councils since 2014-15 and found that one in six councils have used £381 million of the sales money to pay to cover cuts and a third of that was used just to pay off staff's redundancy pay so they could let them go in order to save more money. It's a completely bonkers way to have to run anything. It's like if I sold my car just to use the petrol money to pay for cabs for my wife so I don't have to give her lifts anymore and save petrol money. Doesn't make sense. This then has the effect on the community of less assets, such as allotments, car parks, daycare centres that were invaluable to the vulnerable, and in one case, a university building, while simultaneously creating unemployment. So basically, shit for everyone. On top of that, the investigation found that two-thirds of councils aren't adhering to data standards that require annual reports on what's being sold and to whom, meaning the public aren't in on what's disappearing from their area and who will now own it. I'm not saying I watch too many films, but I'm pretty sure this is exactly how HYDRA infiltrated the Marvel Universe. In years to come, if councils need space for more schools or housing, they won't have it as they'll have sold off the land in order to pay for the redundancy pay for the staff that they no longer have. Will they build schools on top of other schools and then inter-school football matches will have to somehow happen on the stairwells? Homes on top of other homes? Oh wait, that does... That does already happen. And when government funding for local authorities is pretty much phased out after 2020, they won't have any other options but to sell everything they have. Which brings us to Theresa May's announcement this week of her Stronger Towns Fund, which sounds a lot like it's all about getting smaller areas into weights and protein shakes and then have them all fight it out in the end. But actually, it's an idea that's meant to sway Labour MPs in Midlands and northern areas of England to back her deal by getting a £1.6 million of extra money over six years great except that means yearly it's just around 266 million which is a fraction of what they've lost through cuts and after brexit they'll no longer get the eu regional development and social funds to uk regents grant which is around 1.56 billion per year so what may's doing is promising to give more money in order to take away more money from the money the councils already don't have does no one do maths in government anymore no one So now we're looking at a post-Brexit UK where every public asset is bought up by a private company or individual and if the government, as rumours suggest, do reduce tariffs on all imports to zero, then there won't be any goods made in the UK either. So, no buildings owned by the people, no jobs for the people and nowhere for those who need care or support to be looked after. Still, on the plus side, whenever racists say Britain's our country, they'll mostly factually be wrong. that's all for this week's uh, sort of slightly brief partly political broadcast podcast. Normal service should resume next week um, for podcast, I mean, not politics. I think that's fucked for at least three more years minimum. <laughs> I mean, ten. Thanks to you and yours for choosing this show to waste your life, juice too. And please don't forget to review, donate to, like, subscribe, tweet, Facebook or stand on a soapbox in your local park and shout about this show to anyone passing by, occasionally adding that maybe the power of Odin compels them to listen or something just like that so they take notice. Thanks to Acast for nuzzling this show in its audio bosom, to my brother The Last Skeptic for all the music rapidity, song noises, and to Cat Day for typing up the linear liner notes every goddamn week. This will be back next week when it's announced that Chris Grayling has had to pay all of the no-deal reserve money as an out-of-court settlement to Ryanair after giving the emergency contract for flights to Ireland to a boy with a remote-control helicopter. Bye! This week's show is sponsored by Stronger Towns Fund Rumble. Do you and your town think you can kick your neighboring town's ass? Sick of their jibes about how your local swimming pool was sold to Richard Branson just so he could wash his balls in it when he's in the area? Well, enough is enough. Take Stronger Towns Protein Shakes, Protein Bars, and Protein Protein, and soon everyone in your weather spoons will have muscles popping out their eyes and fertility issues. But goddammit, you'll have those losers in Sallington or Buttsville or wherever trembling with fear in their overrated waitros. Stronger Towns Fund, I mean, what else? What else will you have to do after Brexit?
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.